Mike and Armand Joe Queez, we the ones that you can depend on To bring the voices from the inside out Locked down, but they not locked out No filter over here Check what we be talking about Feet up in the trenches, bop While your own defenses Metal detector before you enter Shaky medical and see your stitches They be pushing their weight around Educate, didn't have the time to wait around Taking classes while they played around That's what we call staying down What we call staying down That's what we call staying down 10K phone, man, gang him up What's happening? Misfit Adi, huh? Mike, what's happening? The artist. That's me. I'm doing all right. Yeah. It's been a funny, busy day early, but we're getting through it and we've arrived, which we'll talk about. But welcoming the show's first ever guest and is really an interesting story around that. But BG, this is BG. Bro. Uh, BG, how are you doing? You muted. muted. Okay, okay, there we go. <laughs> dialed in. You know, I'm doing better than most. You know what I mean? Worse than some. I can't complain. Come on. Yes, Lord. I mean, it's interesting that yeah. for, like the, the show has been going. We got listeners now. This is episode almost 10 or something. But you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about it as we were getting going. BG has been a character in ways. BG hey. was around inside while we were recording. Uh, I have a photo of you two, and who was the guy, the younger guy? Chris, Chris Briggs. Y'all were like, headphones, you and Chris were sharing one one dude. And so I've used that image in the world. So people have seen BG. And I remember when we did the picnic, we were like decompressing. BG was on the phone. So BG has been inside, been on the team since the beginning. And here you are, the first guest. Brother, what is happening? It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, man. Live in the flesh, man. You know, it's a great you know, thing to be, be able to be rocking with y'all in this uh, level, you know, straight up. Facts. It's a beautiful thing, too. Just, you know, you like the artist, like Mike said, man, you was uh, behind the scenes of, you know, everything that was 10 Can Phone and even other projects, you know, that we had in, in the works. Like you have always been around. So yeah, I'm glad that we finally could have you on the show. You feel me in front of the camera and, um, Cause you got an interesting story and you know, you different, you know, you a misfit in the sense. And I say that because you really in a place where, you know, where it's bred for hate in a place where it's bred for hate and ran off of toxic masculinity. You always stood out. You know what I'm saying? You never fit in with what was going on around. You always had your own movement. You know what I mean? And I salute you for that brother for sure. Straight up, straight up. Facts. And then, so just, you know, off top right now, just speaking on where we was at, if you can give a, a you know a small rundown, brother, like you know, if you want what you was down for, or even just how much time you just got done doing, because you was previously released in the time of COVID, like the you know the the peak of it, and you know I just want you to kind of fill us in a little bit on who you are, and, you know how much time you have had to pay that political debt. Yeah, man, uh, I'm just getting back, almost almost four. It was like three and a half, a little more, a little less, one of the two. Yeah, you know I mean, for yeah. you. Yeah, straight up. Free me till you see me. Y'all see me right here. Yeah, man, I did a, I did that a little time in with it being when we hit that COVID period. Like, you know, you and I used to be in our labs. We used to, you know, be in our little 
spots where we could converse, where other cats were once we was doing our thing. You feel me? Facts. We had a little and, space. Uh, yeah, we definitely had we had a little space and cool little communities that we were able to rock with, be able to take us up out of there. Mm-hmm. You feel me? The crazy thing is when the COVID did hit, when I when I ended up going out to ELCI, the way that things were ran or uh the lack of consideration of human health, you know, it was it was a wild thing. EOCI being Eastern Oregon, Eastern right. Oregon. yeah, Eastern yeah. Correctional Institution. You were originally you were at Columbia River, right? That's where we all met, and then they moved you there. How long before you were out? Like ten months. Ten months. Okay, I did not know that. Now, on top of that. On top of that, um, you can speak a little bit about when the governor made her stipulations for people to come home who had done half a day time or medical or, you know, the for the bill that she passed. And I think with that bill, she only released 1% of the prison population. So it was that tight that, you know, you had to fit all these certain criteria. It was made for a certain geographic of people to be able to come home. You fit all those criteria, but yet you was never released. I think the only criteria that I didn't fit was being an elderly cat. <laughs> you feel me? Like yeah. <laughs> everything, everything else, you know, I done had a collapsed lung. So that's health compromise right there type. It attacks uh, the- yeah, I mean, uh, did majority of that time. You feel me? I ended up getting the end of the stick when, when we looked at it. You know, which was crazy. It was. It was a trip because, uh, like, I spoke to you yesterday. We had mm-hmm. a similar little sit-down and whatnot. And uh, it was something where I was baffled because at first I was hopeful. You feel me? I called you on the phone when I was there. I'm like, bro, yeah, they said, what you want? What, what, they right. about to, yeah, I'm finna be home. You feel me? Right, right. And then, you know, so they kind of forget rain and they definitely pissed on my parade, <laughs> you know? But uh, it's real. Yeah, I fell under what the criteria. I, I had a collapsed lung surgery about 10 years back. Asthmatic, mm-hmm. diabetic. Absolutely. It's like, oh, oh, I know. I, if I fall under, I'm going to come home soon. I'm going to. That's crazy. Quite the opposite. I came how, home when my how, body was set for. How was you treated around that time of like coming home your last six months with, you know, like with the corona peaking? in prisons and like, what was their reaction? How was Corona prevention at the institution at Eastern Oregon? How was Corona prevention? How did they handle that? You're talking about the prevention on their end of things? Yes, like how did the institution ask to see Corona peak and we as a world start to see Corona? How was their, I would say reaction or what was their answer at the, like, did you have, you know, spray downs and medical and, you know, the cleaning is like, what was the institution response to Corona? How did you y'all get treated? It was minimal when it came to the taking care of the facilities, like you said, with the spraying. You had a cat running around with one of those pumps with the water and the bleach in it, running and hitting doors and shit like that. They were doing the bare minimum. The bare was you, minimum. Was y'all locked down? Did y'all have yard time? Initially, we did. We had a, we had yard. It was ran the same. Chow, it was ran the same. And then when things started to change, like yard was really scarce. You get yard anywhere from you go three to five days without getting yard sometimes. Crazy. You know, the chow, being able to go to the chow hall, that was a trip because at first what they 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 <laughs> try they were trying to figure things out as they went, you know, because this is this is new to everybody. Mm-hmm. So they had initially cats were well, the COs had 
workers, they, you know, they're escorting workers around, pushing a cart full of trays with the chow to people's units. Mm. And then they changed from doing things that way and they were bringing cats into the chow hall to pick up their trays, going right back to their units and whatnot. And if you happen to be a unit where they had somebody who tested positive, your unit is quarantined. With your unit being quarantined, they have people that work in the kitchen that have, they're coming from the similar unit, a unit where somebody, the people that are working in the kitchen would be somebody say, if my unit's quarantined, there's somebody from my unit working down in the kitchen, which didn't really make any sense to me. Like uh, <laughs> you're putting people that are potentially, cause you know, you could be asymptomatic. So you're putting people that are potentially sick down here, having them serve folks, you know? So it was, it was an odd experience. It was baffling. Like, How big are the units? Uh, you, yeah. When, when I was over on the East side, the units, the dorms over there, it was about 80 some odd cats yeah. to, you know, so we'd be confined to the unit. Like I said, we didn't get to have yard as frequent as we used. Um, so you got guys just in the unit stuck. It's big. We talked about What's last talked about routine and how when you're incarcerated, the one thing you live off of is your routine. People yeah. literally were in solitary confinement if something was threatening their routine. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. that word means so much to people in there. So for people who work out, people who, you know, like you said, how we used to go to the yard and walk laps and you feel me? That was the time that we used to digress with each other, you feel me? And really just confine and figure it out. But without that yard, with us being on different units, you feel me? It was no contact. And that became like a daily thing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So like, it's big when you think about cutting off somebody's routine at the blink of an eye. Just lock the unit down. You know, like that. Yeah, like you just said, we, we got our, our routine cut off like like you said, you was in a whole different unit. Let you have been there when it transpired. We wouldn't have been rocking like I was telling you about Brother Chase. Chase was in a uh, in a whole different building. I mean, I was in D or F or something. I was in F building. That was the only time that I really got to rock with bro. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. you know. So, like the same the same way that we was rocking. Like, oh, have Chase, uh, have Chase come out here if he wasn't the same way with Queez, but. All that got cut, you know. Mm-hmm. Able to do that any longer, it just it throws a wrench in the whole operation of something that you become used to. You know, right. like you said, you get a going, you become used to being able to fraternize with your brothers, people that you build this brotherhood with, and these forge these bonds with. And it's like, uh, I'll holler at you when I can, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, really. Yeah, it's it's a trip. So I'm still. I'm just waiting for cats. I'm still waiting for cats to come home because I ain't got to talk to them like I talked to them on the yard. Right. You know? It's fun. And that was something I was going to ask you because I know from one of our other kind of recurring characters, Brother Ben, was saying that when he got moved out of the pen to CRCI, even though it was from whatever, a mead max to minimum, it was kind of like ripping his heart out because he knew all the dudes there and they had developed this kind of community family situation but like when they moved him away from there against his own ability to choose it really destabilized all that network so you're saying you pretty much got moved out there during covid the covid pandemic how was the shift for you from crci to eoci it was um i was just talking to my lady friend about this because me and her we actually had a relationship when I was at CRCI and then 
going out to EO, it kind of, uh, me being at a minimum initially, it was a lot more easy going, a lot more laxed. And then we go into that medium max, it's kind of like, oh, well, <laughs> they playing a different ball game over here. Right. Yeah, it's more politics over here. So let me kind of nut up. I got to be. Yeah. That goes to Leo's crew, though. Like, when you go from, like, when you in a max, medium max, like, the COs is playing it. It's, it is a different game. It's, it's a whole different, you know, situation. So going medium, minimum is like, you know, when you go minimum, it's like, okay, you feel me? I could lax up. You feel me? I could, you know, kind of get back into like finding myself again and getting ready, you know, to bounce back. But when you go, when you get yeah. to that place, when you get to that place, you have to really keep the other monster like close. You feel me? I don't want to even say monster because guys are painted as monsters, but the realness, like you got to remember like the at roommate. any time. That's your roommate. We're going to, not, not a monster. He's a roommate. You know, I'll let roommate. him stay in the room for most of the time. He hold his face yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, yeah. You got to not let it get too far away, though, and get too lax, though, because at any time, you can't end up back at a medium max. And then it's like, you don't got no time to, to transition or get your brain. Like, it's like, as soon as you hit that yard, it's like, you know, you got to, you know? So, like, it's kind of different, like, going from a medium to a max, like, if you, especially if you've never been max before. But um, just to, you know, that yeah. psyche behind that stuff, bro, like the psyche behind it. I mean, it's just, I, there's a Gosh, lot going bro. on. And for the listeners, I want to, I don't know, clarify something that feels clear to me. Uh, because in the first iteration of the show, which hopefully you, that content will reach the listeners, but at this time remains under bondage. But a lot of what was discussed was prison politics, which is not, for those of you who do not know what that phrase means, what the prison is doing. While it is related, prison politics is much more this, I don't know if it's written anywhere, and therefore mostly unwritten, mostly a kind of like oral history that when people talk about it, they refer to the origins of it from who knows back when. That now, if you come in, especially if you don't know what's going on, this is the universe of governance that you live under. And it changes and is is life-threatening at a minimum. Maybe it's almost, can be worse than life-threatening the way that I understand it. And so, yeah, for those of you who are trying to follow, essentially BG was in a minimum security institution. And then for the last 10 months of which apparently could have been forgiven, was moved to a medium maximum facility and was braving both COVID and now threat from every direction. Is that an accurate account of what we're talking about. <laughs> well, you know me, I can't say a, a threat from every direction, but you know what I mean? It's more, the air is thicker. You definitely sure. can cut the air with a knife a little bit more. I'm a likable dude. You know, mm-hmm. everybody rocks with me. You feel mm-hmm. me? So that really wasn't too much of my issue. And I knew some cats when I touched down. So, and, you know, I got some of my ties that, you know, got me to be able to have some sort of alliance with some brothers there and with. So it was cool, but yeah, it was more of a serious situation. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you got to politics like over the phone, just all of it. Sitting down at tables during lunch, all of that. You know, it's certain tables on the yard. It's like, oh no, uh, you can't sit over there. That's that's the white boy's table. That's, yeah, you feel me like all of that. You know, Back. so it was definitely a little different because at CRCI, we were definitely 
Like, <laughs> you know, where do you think we are? <laughs> hey, that's real life. So I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> we're definitely glad that you were able to make it make it out and is also just again interesting for this project because all of the preceding episodes was the various hosts just trying to create a landscape for listeners about different concepts like contraband and we haven't even covered prison politics although certain reasons or ways that things were done have been covered and so one of the things we have talked about on the show is kind of your last you know what like five days week month what was it month or 30 days uh, we did the last well because they start the process they start the process of releasing at 90 days so it was just like your last 90 days in there. That's what we was referring to back, you know, to just, I was asking about medical and, right. and just, you know, the pressure of coming home and what was, how was it like with, cause I know how it is pre COVID. So like, I would just like, how was it, you know, with your release counselor and just getting everything together? What was on your chest? What was you thinking? Like how, you know, where, where was you at mentally preparing for your release? Uh, everywhere going a million miles per hour, just, you know, being happy about being released. Like when you get that paperwork, especially after you, when you doing time and you done more than a year type, it's kind of like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I got right. this paperwork telling you, Sally's over on the, uh, on the West side. When I got my, my paperwork, I was over there in the sales. I'm telling my Sally like, oh my God, bro. Like this is, it's real. <laughs> right. You know, it's really real, man. I'm finna about this thing. You feel me? And uh, with the COVID going on, though, it did put another worry kind of like, damn, it's going to be really like, I already know that things in the city had changed mm. prior to COVID. Right. But it's like, oh, wow, the way that things is happening, like, you know, I got children. I was used to the getting up and taking my kids to school type thing. Mm. Now it's getting up and waking them up so they get on their uh, get on their school on their laptop, you know, just all of that. So, you know, I had to adjust psychologically because I'll be having conversations talking about, oh, yeah, I just can't wait till I get out there and I'll take the kids to school. I'm like, what do you mean, take them? No, you're not taking nobody nowhere. <laughs> you know, this is a whole different Portland that you know. It's just a whole new world to me, bro. Like, still, I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. Like, when I left the house earlier, to take my lady to work, I forgot my mask. Mm. So I was like, she's like, oh, can you uh, take me to grab something to eat real quick? Are you going to come into the store with me? I'm like, I don't got my mask on. Like, I don't have it with me. <laughs> Luckily, extra mask is kept in the armrest or else. Hey, yo. Yo, mask is like your ID now. Like, I remember you just, you couldn't go nowhere. Like, oh, I ain't got my ID, bro. I got to sit in the car. Like, you just got to sit with your mask. I feel like if you yeah. don't have your mask, you most definitely either finna go buy one or you finna be sitting in the car. Like, it's crazy. Hey. Yeah. It's bizarre, bro. You don't know who know. You don't even know what people for look real, like. For real. <laughs> so, Man, it's so how, how was it coming home? How was it, you know, freshly released, like coming out the gate? If you had people pick you up or, you know, I know um, DLC would provide for you to get to like the halfway house or whatever. Like, how was it with you coming home and coming home to a pandemic? Like, you know, beyond Portland looking new, but like, how was it like emotionally 
um, emotionally, like, to see the world as it was now. Because it wasn't like that when you got locked up. Um, it, It's low-key kind of, like, scary, bro. Like, you know, you're not... I don't know what's up with you. It's like, to break it down in a simple way, it's like everybody has the potential to get AIDS. Mm. This is what the corona is like, but you can get it airborne type. It's like, whoa, I got to be cautious who I'm around. (laughs) You know, I don't want them that. (laughs) You feel me? So like, yeah, it's, uh, it's a trip. And even still, like my mom stresses about it. She's like, you know, uh, Greg, you need to make sure that you're not around certain people or don't be around too many people because I don't want you, you know? So it's a constant. I would say that I've become more lax, but my mother, you know, people going to still be constantly worrying about you knowing that you, because I got a fine work out here, so I'm ripping and running. I'm still trying to figure things out, you know, as far as getting my footing in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She, you know, your family does fear for you. You know, like my fear has uh, become a little more laxed as far as contracting the COVID. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a trip. You know, my people worry, and you know that's what I was doing when I was in prison, though. Right. Like right. I'll become out here, out here, like uh, uh-uh, y'all need to. I don't know if y'all taking this shit serious. Look on, y'all need to be looking at CNN and look at all these numbers. Whoop you out, you know, it's like. Now I can see <laughs> the worry that other people that I had being placed on me now that I'm out here too. Right. You yeah, know? you brought up some really interesting things and I was going to ask about, yeah, like trying to find work and stuff, but, you know, and that happened to me today almost. Like I was I was moving some stuff in a car. We were going to use two cars and we need to rent a truck and we were like both sitting in the truck and you just got to get the job done or whatever and you'd be careful. But like when you're in a situation like you're in, it's like you don't have any resources. You have to like get new resources. And so you're kind of like thrust a little bit closer to the flame. But as you were saying, it's like almost like the AIDS epidemic, but you can get it through the air. And like that also kind of brings into question, like, you know, ethics between people. Like some people are like need to work in a way, but how can you like protect the people you care about? So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, and I guess in a episode prior, we were talking about how Queez was on a work job site. And that job right. site, the guy was just whatever. And then, you know, ended up actually getting sick and then bringing it home to his family. You know, it's like, those are the situations. And so, and when we were recording that episode and when we were recording that episode, I made this comment. And for listeners, this is our first episode. I meant to do it on the beginning. This media blackout. We got all black guys on here, but you know, we, and it's interesting, like income level, like we're all close. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and just, <laughs> Statistically, we are going to get it and die. You know what I mean? And so, or you know, like the chances of getting it and then getting it and having complications are extremely high. And I still consider myself quite privileged and also like have the ability to like distance myself from the necessity of putting myself into a dangerous situation. But, you know, you're like trying to figure it out, just getting started getting adjusted to the world and you still need to like get something from it like you can't you don't have like a stockpile of resources that you can just chill and wait till it comes you know i, I also saw africa's not getting the vaccine till 2024 what the f- 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's an odd time. It's an odd and tough time, you know, because this it has folks scrambling to be able to make sure that they can make ends meet, trying to pay their, you know. I'm looking at it. I'm on the sideline of, you know, the rent and whatnot, but I'm looking at it like, damn, like folks is really trying to figure it out. They struggling right now. And it's crazy. But then you got to also think about like when they started doing the unemployment, right? They knew COVID was knocking people jobs out. But then like, you know, me, I was, I didn't even qualify for it for some reason, just, you know, maybe being a second class citizen, but like, I didn't really apply. I didn't, you feel me? So, but I watched and I talked to people like, and people really was just like, this is how they get us as a culture with being stuck with being fed by master, right? People literally was like, I got an opportunity to be at this job or the job I was working at, but I'm getting more on on unemployment. So I'm gonna just stay here. You feel me? But a lot of people, again, like in our culture, what we don't do is educate on what we're signing up for. So like if you would have signed that or you would have knew that, you know, you due to the information you gave them, you only was going to get a certain amount for a certain amount of time. And then it runs out. Right. So I seen people not saving and, and really not, you know, just having the money and blowing it because you had a mindset that it master got me like it's not going to stop. Like they're just coming every week, every week, 700, like it's coming. It's coming. And, and you're blowing through it, but really what you're doing is giving it right back. So what that was, and this might just be me, but what that was, was a time for us to collect the money that we could get for being out of work. Cause I'd rather work cause that's going to be consistent money. than this money that's going to be fast money, but you know, we kind of learned that in a different generation. Mm-hmm. But for us as a people, I was trying to tell some of my brothers, like, look, y'all getting this money, bro. It's coming in. Stack it. Let's look at foreclosed buildings. Let's look at foreclosed spots that's getting right. foreclosed. This is a time where all of us, or at least, you know, the people involved is going to have the money because mm-hmm. other than that, you're going to blow it on J's and you're going to blow it on cars and, you know, the things that your heart desire, you feel me? But not that you really need. These are humanly wants. So I really just watch both sides where I see people like, bro, unemployment, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to get my job back. But then I also had close friends who was like, bro, you know, it's coming. I'm gonna just get this unemployment for a minute, bruh, and and I just get a job whenever. You feel me? Like so, again, it's the system. Like they knew, give them the money, and we're not. It's gonna solve the working problem while we get everything else in order. You know what I'm saying? Because you gotta. It's it's crazy to me just the mindset of our people, and I'm speaking on our culture and our people mm-hmm. because I can't let them slide with, you know, like oh, it's sad us. You know, they gave us unemployment and they took advantage of it. My bad. I don't, you know, and we took advantage of it. You feel me? And instead of staggering back to work and making sure we were securing the bag, like, it's crazy. We got it from them and then we gave it right back to them with the Gucci, the Louis, the cars. We got it and gave it right back to them with nothing to back, nothing to, to fall back on is what I call a fallback. Man, you know what I was just talking to you about yesterday, you know? We don't know how to spend money within the community and let it circulate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What is it? Your clothing, um, line, that's, your clothing line represents that, right? Yeah, yeah. Ebony Economic Renaissance. Um, we we don't... The money is supposed to be able to at least touch the community's hands three times, bare minimum, to be able to have some type of economic stature or to start to develop some type of economic stature. You know, and that's something that we don't do, that we weren't taught. You know, like, my father was a Black business owner, but he wasn't always going and spending his dollar with other black business owners. You know, that's not something that we were taught. I think the generation prior to us, they low key fumbled 
they dropped the ball because the one the generation prior to them, our parents' parents, they are part of the folks that came up here from the south. Like, oh, there's better jobs up here. They came up here buying property. Like we had things in that generation, that time period. But currently, people are more uh, like you said. They have these wants. They're trying to keep up with the Joneses. They see, oh, oh boy, he got, oh, he got that Audi A6. Like, oh, yeah, I'm about to flip a Benz. It's kind of like you're trying to keep up with the Joneses versus... It ultimately started with self-hate. It ultimately started with, you know, we have a habit of hating the ones that look like us. You know, and I was thinking, like, I remember when it used to be funky, right? But if somebody was dressed like a square, instantly they got a pass. Like, we yeah. seen a better or a cardi- oh, yeah, they got a pass. We would find somebody who got dreadlocks swinging, who got fitted caps on, who sagging their pants. I'm ultimately looking for myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm ultimately looking for it's self-hate. So you say we wasn't taught that, which is true, but also this is where we have to start to unlearn the things that we was taught because we're captured. We're trapped by the things that we were taught because a lot of us use it for as an excuse now. Oh, this is just who I am. But (laughs) this is just who you are, bro, because you have a chance to grow. This is who you're choosing to be. I'm yeah, just about to say it's who you want to be. You know what I mean? Because you're making a sound decision to make the same old choices over and over again. Because growth only happened outside of your comfortability. Yeah, you got to you gotta be able to jump and take that leap of faith, knowing that there's a possibility that you can do better. You know, a lot of cats be like, oh, well, you know, I know that I'm cool this way. I've been cool this way all this time. I ain't changing shit. For what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ultimately, it's fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like babies, they kids, really babies and small toddlers, they like to watch the same thing. You can literally, when it's like, oh, this is their thing now, their thing is like for all day, back to back, you know, it doesn't stop. So with us, with we fall into that same pattern to where even if it end up in jail, even if it end up like whatever the outcome is going to be, we have been there so many times that we literally consciously choose that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Instead of taking, getting courage and just saying, you know what? I'm going to take this step and see because I know what this going to get me. Um, we're comfortable with that. Like jail becomes comfortable. Prison becomes mm-hmm. comfortable. I do that. You feel me? And I, I foolishly at one time stated that when I'm free, that's when I'm on a break. When I'm in jail, that's when I'm at home. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I grew up in the, I'm a child of the system. And I claim that um, because in so many ways I was, I have been affected by the system from foster care all the way to prison. Like I've rolled that train, right? But even with all them bumps and bruises, only a fool refused to grow. But we all as a culture is scared to be the one to step outside. Like, bro, nah, that ain't cool. Like, I don't, that ain't cool. Like, and, and, it's, and people like you, BG, who we on the yard, we never had a foolish conversation. It has always been about growth. It has always been about um, releasing your development. Because for a long, and that's some different, like arrested development. When we arrest our own development by being comfortable with what has always been. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, this, I'm passionate about this, bro, because I really be like, I don't understand how my people choosing. Yeah, they, they, get, they get comfortable uh, with the SSI checks instead of, you know, trying to figure it out. They get comfortable with the TANF and trying to, instead of trying to figure out, you got to make a way. You know, that's my big thing, bro. Like, you know, my grandfather came out here from New York City on my father's side. Mm-hmm. I'm a mechanic by trade, you feel me? So he's an entrepreneur. My mm-hmm. father, born and raised out here. 
entrepreneur himself also uh, via construction, you know? So it was only natural for me to be like, bruh. You know, I was a kid. You could ask my mom when when we sit down with moms, we'll talk, bruh, like, she's like, Gregory, you kill me. You always, you were little, you were always trying to sell stuff. You were just <laughs> trying to make things and sell them, you know, because I knew I can make money via mm-hmm. sales. That's being a child, having that mindset. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, if parents were more nurturing to that mindset of their child, we as a culture would be mm. better off. You know, um, it's a lot of kids that I know my kids personally during the summer and my lady friend, her kids. When it's when the summer hit, if they had uh, her job at the beauty salon, they about to be trying to sell pictures that they making anything. They out front trapping. I promise, you know, trying yes. to make a go away. Oh God, you know, and it's a beautiful thing, and that's something that I nurture and that she nurtures. Mm-hmm. You feel because uh, you don't have to work for the next so and so for you to be able to make a means. You can yeah. definitely push your own agenda because when we are employees for a company, we're really working to get this CEO rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do you feel about sovereignty then? where people is like, you know, uh, self-sufficient, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's really like, I'm seeing it grow, at least on social media, where people is like, even like, like you said, um, when we spoke upon farming while black, growing all of our own foods and, and, you know, 40 acres, like really trying to come together, get the, you know, and are you with that? Are you with that movement as far as, you know, relying as least as possible on government and um, capitalist brand corporations? When it comes to the capitalism side of it, I'm an owner. I'm a businessman, so I'm after the capital. I can't even sit here in front. But when it comes to being able to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. I'm with it. You know, like uh, prior to me leaving, me and my children, we were uh, gardening. We doing tomatoes, sweet potatoes, just any and everything. You know, we're growing and I'm trying to show them. And it's actually, it's a... Uh, being in tune with the earth, I don't know how many people is like really on their spirituality. I, I'm an earth sign, my guy. Like I'm a Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> just discussing about, remember my little cousin Keith, I was just talking to him. I'm like, yeah, bro, I've been kind of going through it. I'll be like, bro, why don't you holler at me? We could have went on a hike. You know what I mean? Holler at me. Shit, you ain't locked up no more, bro. We could get out into the nature. You yeah. know what I mean? Being able to be in tune with those grounds when you're doing gardening and whatnot, it's it's almost like counseling yourself, being able to go back to the roots. You feel me? A lot of dudes ain't into that. You know, dogs, we hiking and shit, we stay in nature. Um, I got an amazing partner who who, who educated me on, you know, the importance of nature and, and actually being one with the grand land. Like, she's so crazy. She like into like, we only eat what her ancestors eat and what our ancestors ate, you feel me? She really on the moon. No, it's a beautiful thing. You don't got too many people that's cognizant of what the mm-hmm. where we do come from. Um, one of the things that I talk about a lot is if you look at slavery and what the work that we had to do during slavery, mm-hmm. prior to slavery, we had a real connection with the land. Absolutely. And it wasn't mm-hmm. a forced. Y'all, y'all finna be out here from right, eight right, right. in the morning, night picking <laughs> cotton. You know, hate the land. It made us mm-hmm. run away from what was natural for us to nurture the earth and right. let the earth nurture us. You feel me? So, uh, 
That's something that I'll be trying to relate to my children. We got to dig a little hole, drop some mm-hmm. seeds in that thing. You know, put some water over that dirt that we, you know what I mean? Throw back on top of that seed. You know, um, being independent, the quote-unquote bad bitch, be independent. We need to be like that but when it comes to the land, mm-hmm. you know, or not having to need from other entities to be able to help us. Thanks do what we're capable of doing. Right. You guys have been coming up with a lot of interesting things. And I even just want to shine again, a, a light on it for the viewers. Just like, as Quiz said earlier this episode and in the past of this show, we are not monsters, but like all this, even kind of interrogating your own gaps or blind spots from earlier parts of your life or within the culture is all kind of like a fascinating analysis. And I, but I did want to say, and BG brought up slavery is like real interesting. Cause like I was thinking of my grandmother when you all were talking before, she told me this story where she was like trying to get an apple and there was a worm in it. And like literally anything that's worm, like she just has is like not about it. And I think it's like this, it's this generational trauma. Like you were saying that is like ingrained that when something is uncomfortable, it gets like like a highly adverse distance. And so, yeah, like right now, like the back to the land movement is almost like fighting this kind of internal impulse in many ways, but it is also kind of exciting what you're talking about both. And it was funny when you were saying that your family's from New York, that East Coast step, it takes, I, I have an East Coast step myself and I feel myself marching around Portland, it's interesting to hear that it, it's even generational, that that kind of East Coast step, but is exciting, too, about this opportunity now, right now, today. And as you were saying, I, I there's a bunch of people I want to get you all in touch with, but there's this uh, artist, Cleo Davis, who's Portland, born and bred, local, and he's like, man, we need our Afro communities back, you know what I mean? Like, not only for sustainability, but also for raising the youth. And for like keeping it in the family, bringing back kind of this like historical perspective. And ultimately, as you're saying, bringing it back to the land because that was taken. That relationship was taken, you know, just like it is prominently in an indigenous context, but in the um, quote unquote American context, specifically black cultural a relationship to land is kind of like fraught or distance from so all of those are like really interesting kind of comments and conclusions y'all are making yeah definitely yeah you know we ain't got no community out here you tell me the last time you seen some kids in the street playing basketball on a, on a rim that was outside you know like i ain't seen it since i was little at the same time brother like that's on us too because like we running around you feel me um shooting and mind you, I always say we because I'm never pointing the finger at nobody else that I'm taking responsibility for me and everyone that look like me and, and, and are like me. So that's why I say we. But we running around, we shooting shit up, we slide on the ops. We making it dangerous. We making it dangerous for our grandmothers, you feel me? We making it dangerous. Like our family and our elders, they're scared of the people that look like us, bro. Like I was with my granny today and it broke my heart, you feel me? Because I'm like, dang, my granny like, baby, I don't go outside, baby, like. Uh-uh. She said, them boys out there, you know, them dread, like she's describing me and she's not even realizing she's describing me, bro. And I'm just like, damn, you feel me? So like, it, and this is freshly today. So 
like I really start thinking to myself, like, man, we failing as a community in a sense of we doing and willing to do all this killing. We willing to go get these guns and clap at. Why not put that towards security and building our nation as we see it, building our, our communities as we want them to be like back in the day where we didn't call the police. We call whoever you feel me like the big dogs, the hustlers, the block boys, the gang members. These was the guys protecting the community. You know what I'm saying? I have to say that right there, you know, me and some of my partners always go back and forth on because I blame that on us. Like, regardless of the generation, like, we run around clapping everything that look like us and then wonder why. I don't want my kids outside. I don't want my kids in the streets playing nothing. You feel me? Like, that's because of us, bro. Um, But the crazy thing is, if something did happen to one of our children, I know me. I could speak from my uh, experience, like me being locked up or me talking to my oldest, like my oldest, she's 14 right now. If there was something, no, it's in the room. If there was ever anything that happened to one of my kids, I'm going to revert right back to that same old ignorance. Because that's the only way that I know how to get back type business. You know, so I totally feel where you're coming from when you say that, because like, it's somebody has to be able to nip in the butt. But it's called, you know, Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, everything that we're talking about is this process. And I think this is a part of the process. Like people, and I I love the way that Quiz talks about it, is like really bringing your experience to the audience. But anyone who's listening that is identifying with you, it's like, okay, this is what we're trying to do or what we might want to be trying to do. But yeah, I think unlearning is a factor. And this is even almost maybe my last guiding component is and we've this conversation has been like really beautiful the the rainbow swath that it is but i wanted to bring it back to again some more content in bondage the first time we were all on the mic together and this concept that like the og the gang banging that was like robin hood stuff was like feeding the family was a form of kind of street solidarity to galvanize against us in a system that's designed to oppress and like now we're in this new place we're outside the gates and there's this opportunity to reflect on how we are building the culture in a larger way that is such a grand responsibility i feel hyper aware that it is happening but in absolutely no way do i feel certain which i will amend that highly certain i do not feel highly certain although my approach is both in this container where like it's just us and the guys and y'all both have kids. And so through engaging in this community and building strength here, it also kind of trickles down to the young people. But my most of my work is actually directly with young people. Um, but I mean, that is a generalization. Um, but yeah, just really want to shine a light both on everyone kind of looking towards the youth and into the future. And also that, again, for the listeners and, and for y'all to even kind of further contextualized because I'm sure majority of the people listening either have no idea and or understand completely but is worth discussing that yeah the kind of the kind of you know big man on the block concepts ultimately is in support of a larger community um, and how do we transmute the past iteration of that into what that looks like now today You are listening to the Tin Can Phone Podcast, where you can hear about the influence incarceration has straight from the source. We tell the story from the inside out. So make sure to check us out on KBOO Community Radio every first Tuesday at 10 a.m. 
You can also check us out on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you catch your podcasts. And make sure to give us a follow over at TinCanPhonePodcast.com. See you next time.